Hey guys, Tom Laird, voice of advice from a call center geek, CEO at Expedia. Hey, the podcast is brought to you by Expedia Interaction Marketing. We are a 600-seat call center outsourcer. I would love to talk to any of you looking to outsource any of your customer support or your sales functions, looking for political calling or, or just some extra overflow during the holiday season. If you are looking for any type of USA outsourcing support, hit me up. You guys know my LinkedIn. I'd love to talk. This is Advice from a Call Center Geek, a weekly podcast with a focus on all things call center. We'll cover it all from call center operations, hiring, culture, technology, and education. We're here to give you actionable items to improve the quality of yours and your customers' experience. This is an evolving industry with creative minds and ambitious people like this guy. Not only is his passion call center operations, but he's our host. He's the CEO of Expedia Interaction Marketing Group and the call center geek himself, Tom Laird. What's up, everybody? Hey, just wanted to, uh, again, my first first TikTok Live. Uh, I have a ton of questions that, that you guys have been asking that have just actually come in. Um, and, and wanted to get through some of those. And then if anybody wants to kind of just hop on here and, and ask any questions whatsoever when it comes to call center operations technology, um, I am more than happy to, uh, to to answer. Again, for those of you who do not know me, uh, my name is Tom Laird. I'm the CEO of Expedia Interaction Marketing. We're a, a 600-seat call center outsourcer, <coughs> so also known as a BPO, located here in, in the United States in Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, I also am the host of the Advice from a Call Center Geek podcast. So we do a, a weekly podcast, have about... 170-ish episodes. So again, if you are into call center operations at all, I know it's, it's a little niche, but if you're into it, if you are in the industry, if you're a supervisor or manager, if you're an associate or an agent that's trying to, to, to become an, a, a manager, I think it's a, it's a really, really good, hopefully, reference for you. You know, We talk a ton about KPIs, a ton about the technology, a ton about kind of leadership aspects of the contact center, which is a little bit different, um, I think, than, than a lot of the you know, other kind of industries out there. So a couple questions that I did already get in was number one was, you know, how do we go about hiring kind of the best customer service agents or what, what are the things that we look for? And I think that this is a, it's, it's not that hard of a question, uh, but it's very hard to implement. And I think, you know, some of the things that we look for when we're hiring great customer service agents is the first thing is we have to make sure that we understand our culture. And most companies, call centers, confuse their call center culture maybe with their mission statement of their organization. And I think those are those are really big mistakes. You have to ask yourself certain things in your contact center, right? Who are we looking for? Are we looking for team players? Are we looking for individual salespeople? Um, are we looking for people who are exceptionally nice? Are we looking for people who can just kind of get to the point and move on, right? All these kind of thoughts kind of go into the type of individual that we want in our contact centers. And so for us at Expedia, we have utilized the, the two pillars of attitude and effort, right? So we are trying to hire, incent, and promote off of attitude and effort with our agents. And so a lot of the questions that we ask, right, we're, we're asking that kind of go along those, those type of lines. The, the other thing I think is really interesting is effort is kind of easy to, to kind of incent and to, to pay more. Be, just because you know you can look at you know are you there every single day is your attendance really good 
Um, are you giving just, you know, that maximum effort when you're there? But attitude for us was, was always kind of difficult, right? Cause it's kind of subjective. And that's where kind of speech analytics kind of came into play that we've been really able to hone down the type of agents because now we can incent our agents off of attitude, right? And that basically means their sentiment scores that we're looking for for speech analytics, which is kind of cool. Um, so again, kind of a unique use case for analytics um, in the contact center and one that I think goes beyond, you know, just, just looking at, you know, trending keywords and things that customers are saying, but actually looking at the type of attitude that your agents are giving um, and being able to promote and incent and give them more, right? When, when we look at, you know, we post their sentiment scores, you know, weekly and they really do correlate. So I, I think that, you know, again, what do you want in your contact center? What are some of the things that are really important in your contact center for, for, the, for the type of goals? And then you need to take that and move that to the type of, of culture that you want to kind of espouse. And then from there, you can look to hire because not every agent is going to work in every single contact center. Some of the other things um, I had, you know, what are some of my favorite? I know this is straight nerd call center stuff. But what are some of my favorite metrics in KPIs? And, and, and what are some of the things that I'm utilizing in, in our contact center to make sure that we're efficient and that our quality is up? And I, and I would break those down the middle, right, and say we have efficiency metrics and we have quality metrics, right? When it comes to efficiency, you know, my favorite all-time metric is, is, is average handle time. And I like to benchmark average handle time, again, across all the agents on that program, right? Again, we're working for different clients. So we might have a retail client or a financial services client, uh, a tech support, right? All of those are all different. I think that's kind of obvious. And, but we'll benchmark over a period of time after we go live. And it normally takes us about three weeks to really kind of get the flow and the feel of the program. So our handle time might be a little bit higher. But then after that, you know, we're looking at agents who are kind of outside that norm. Right. And it's, it's, it's plus or negative, right? On the amount of time that they're taking. So again, if we have somebody, if we have a four minute handle time that we have benchmarked and we see an agent that's always taking two minutes, they're probably not servicing the customer. Maybe they're ditching calls, right? Something's going on that probably shouldn't be happening. And on the, you know, the other end, if we have four minute handle times and we see somebody as seven minute handle times, well, then, we have to go look and we can kind of break into what they're doing, right? So we have their talk time, the amount of time that they're talking. We have kind of, if they've ever put anybody on hold, we have their after call work time. Um, are they just not controlling the call when we're listening, right? And that will that will show a long, longer talk time. So <clears throat> efficiency is a very touchy subject in the call center because yes, we do not want to be on the phone for 20 minutes with every customer when our average handle time should be four minutes. But at the same time, we have to be able to handle that, that customer that maybe isn't just grasping the concept. Maybe they're a little bit older. Um, and, and, and make sure that, you know, we're, we're trying to, to not only, you know, be as efficient as we can, but still service. You know, the other thing that I really like is occupancy, right? Now, occupancy is basically taking the amount, the percentage of time that an agent is in a working state, right? So, some people include after call work in this. Some people do not, but it's basically, you know, we kind of do include after call work. So it's basically that cradle to grave time when they say, thank you for calling XYZ to when the customer hangs up, taking all that time, 
taking it over the hour and what percentage of that time is working. And, you know, I've seen a lot of this in the comments, you know, over the past even couple of weeks, because I think we're, we're getting near the, the, the Christmas season, right? And there's a lot of retail clients that are in retail agents that are out there that are getting really hammered right now. And so call center managers have to be very, very careful not to burn their agents out, not to give them too much. Um, so we talk about 75, 70 to 75% occupancy is what we're looking for. Basically meaning that our agents are kind of in a working talking state for 75% of the hour, which boils down to about 40 to 45 minutes. That other 15 minutes, right? Um, should be break time, should be time that they're available. I know a lot of you are, are telling me right now there's no availability whatsoever. If we see that, that we are constantly in queue or have you know, 10, 15, 20, 30, 500 calls in queue, whatever that number is, then we will look at our after call work. And I will extend the after call work for the agents, right? Because no matter if there's 500 calls, whatever, right? <laughs> We're going to get to them. But at a certain point, like what is the cost? Right. What is the cost to the agent? What is the cost to almost the mental health of the agent as well? So we will we'll make that after court maybe from 30 seconds. We'll take it to 45 seconds. I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're going back to smack to smack calls, it really, really does make a big difference. And it adds up over that period of time to give them, you know, basically 15 minutes where they're they're breathing, um, you know, for for that interval or, or for that hour. So I think that that's, that's a huge, huge, huge metric when it comes to not only the efficiency of your contact center, but kind of the health of your agents. It's some, it's a metric that, you know, I take extremely seriously and we're, we're measuring a lot, especially if we get into this type of year, especially as you guys know, you know, Mondays are probably heavier in, in your contact center and your call center. Uh, they're, they're heaviest on, on ours as well. So, um, <laughs> People love them that I'm doing a, a TikTok live at 10 o'clock right now. Probably shouldn't be, but um, I, I think it was important to kind of you know, kind of feel this out too. So those are some of the, those metrics that I like. You know, when it comes to quality, um, you know, obviously I'm a huge sentiment score guy from analytics more than NPS and CSAT. You know, I think that when you look at net promoter scoring, which you're basically asking the survey question. Um, you know, would you recommend our company to one of your friends, right? On a scale of one to 10 and then pe- they, they score it, um, get an average number and then they, they kind of have their net positive promoters, detractors and kind of see, you know, where their company is benchmarked against other organizations where CSAT is just basically asking, you know, how satisfied where they were with the service or with the, the organization. So. I talked about this a little bit this week. If you if you don't have speech analytics, which a lot of organizations still do not have, <coughs> if you want to benchmark your reps, I would use CSAT. If you want to benchmark the overall customer experience, then I would use NPS. The reason I don't really like either of those compared to sentiment is that you only get the people who are really, really happy at the end of a call. Anytime you're asking the survey question, most people are not going to do it, right? There's a very small percentage that do it. And the ones that do are either extremely happy with what happened or extremely disappointed with what happened. And a lot of times it has nothing to do with the agent, right? It will be just a policy that maybe we couldn't refund something. Um, and the, the customer got all ticked off and is just going to go hammer our, our CSAT or our NPS. You see that a lot. That's why sentiment scores, I think, is pretty cool because they can't do that. 
and we're taking an overall kind of view of tone, of word usage, of you know what they've been saying, and then scoring our agents and scoring the, the customer as well. Other reason I really like that is when you have a, a customer segment um, that's a little bit negative or their, their sentiment is lower, we can then look at trending keywords and we can find out the why, right? Because again, it's most of the time, it's a lot, well, I shouldn't say most of the time, a lot of the time, um, it's not the agent. It's not the call center's fault. It's the website. It's the logistics. It's the um, how they were built, right? It's all these things that are outside the contact center's fault that we can now get insights into. And I think that's what's really cool about, again, the, the analytic piece um, of, of what we're doing with with sentiment scores. The other thing I think is really, really, really cool. Um, I, again, talking to a lot of you and, and, and a lot of the comments, you guys, again, talking about getting hammered right now with calls. Calls are back to back to back to back. Um, we have been able to use analytics to see what service level. So again, I know most of you would know what a service level is, but for those of you who don't, it's basically the percentage of calls answered within a specific period of time, right? So for us as a benchmark, I think an 80, 30, or an 80% service level um, is about the, the, the average, right? So 80% of the calls answered within 30 seconds or less. So what we've been able to do is use analytics to stretch that out and see at what point, at what period of time do customers start to, to get negative sentiment, right? Do they start to get ticked off and pissed off, right? So a lot of times you don't need 30 seconds. Customers are willing to wait a minute, 30, maybe two minutes, maybe four minutes, depending on what the customer base is. So not only can we kind of back down and give more after call work and, and, and take it easy with, uh, you know, some of the things that we're doing with our agents, um, but we can also say, hey, listen, maybe we don't need as many agents. Maybe we can be a little bit more efficient. Um, and I think that that's a, a really cool, you know, use case of it. You know, I see here, again, there's a, a lot of games and, and teams to keep agents. I, I, I agree. I think that that's cool. You know, teams... Slack, um, you know, we've been getting into a lot of those, you know, I think digging deeper into the work from home engagement. Um, and again, engagement goes a lot of different ways. And this is a really good topic, I think, to lead into. So engagement's just a tool, right? It can't be the, the end all be on it. And I think you guys know that. Yeah, but I see so many call centers, right? They're paying um, a, a very low rate. And then, you know, they're, they're trying to play games and things to keep people happy, which I don't think they're there to really keep people happy. Um, I think they're there to help them, you know, do their job better and kind of get almost get them through the day. I know that that sounds terrible, right? But if, if you're paying a, a, a rate that is proper for that agent, you know, in your area, then the games and the things are kind of add-ons that are really cool. They're not fill-ins, right? You can't have them to fill in for, you know, a lower rate, right? Or, you know, not being able to progress in the company, but they're there to, to kind of just help you get through the day, help you breathe, get some time off the phone, have a little bit of fun with coworkers like that stuff's fun. And I think it can make the day go a little bit, a little bit better. I really enjoyed, uh, really, really enjoyed the being in the office and the games that we played there, you know, and, I, and if you guys have any comments too on, on some of the things I'd love to get them out to everybody, but you know, the, the, some of the really cool games that we used to play is, you know, all of the, um, and the call center floor had, you know, like those, those 12 inch by 12 inch carpet squares, right? Which if you looked around all the call center booths, it, it could create like the perfect board game. So we would do the human board game, right? Where everybody would, 
you know, grab um, like a pillow or a stuffed animal. And that was kind of their, I always say token, it's not their token, but like kind of their avatar, their, their game piece. And then, you know, one of the, the supervisors or myself, we'd set up things on the floor, like, you know, go back three spaces, uh, swap, you know, with, with uh, an opponent, you know, all those things like lose your turn, like all those things that are kind of, you know, we, we, we play like in when you play sorry or Candyland or any of that stuff. Um, and again, we would have like those big kind of foam dice, right? Or we would have the, the electronic dice too. I know remember doing that too on the, on the TVs. But I think I love getting the agent again. Everything I want to do when it comes to games is, is to get them off the phone, right? Get them a time to breathe, right? The game is not as important as – I guess the end is not as important as the means of the game, right? So if you can get them off the phone, get them to breathe, get them to not think about that call that they just had – um, and, and, and you're just, you know, you roll a dice and all of a sudden <coughs> they're moving their piece throughout the room. Everybody's talking about it. They get to go back. They, they had another, you know, four to five minutes that was off the phones. I know a lot of you are going to tell me our management would never let us off the phones. I'm like, and I think that's crap. Um, no matter how busy you're, again, you are, there's always time to, to do that. And I'm not saying we hang out, right. But, but you can still take a couple minutes. Um, that was super fun. And you can kind of do the same thing. You know, they do the horse races, right? With, with rolling the dice, moving them up and down. Um, but even little things like, again, looking at work from home stuff now with Hangman. Hangman has turned into, cause it's such an easy kind of fun game to play at Slack. Uh, we would create also huge giant battleship boards. Um, and basically have, have different teams with different, uh, boats and we'd be trying to sink each other's boats. Um, based on either like KPI metrics or quality metrics or sentiment scores or, you know, whatever we, we kind of deem to be that, that important. And then I was always a big sports guy. So the, the, I think the, the most disappointing thing is we can't do a lot of sports stuff. Um, you know, we would play as teams and have like a Nerf hoop set up and have different points based on how far away you were. And the whole team, right, would, would keep score. Um, as, as they got, you know, again, whatever metric we were looking for and they got off the, um, uh, off the phones to go play putt putt was huge as well. So I know some of that stuff we're trying to find and we found some things that you can do online as well. Um, but, um, I love bingo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bingo's a, and, and bingo is cool too. Kind of like hangman because you could do some things that either, you know, you can make things up for the reps. Right. You could make things up from a cultural standpoint. You could be a little bit more serious with it and, talk, you know, use some things that maybe that you were doing in training that day. Um, or, you know, you can, again, we would, we would do nicknames for people that they had nice nicknames, right. That, you know, that maybe somebody had when they were growing up that they, you know, that they used and try to kind of figure that out. So again, I think it's fun. Um, I think we can, everybody can kind of take a breath when they're, when they're doing those things again, I think games are a cultural thing too. You will find, um, you know, some people don't like them, right? They're just, they're, they're the party poopers of the group. Um, they think that they're, you know, below them. And I would tell you for us, that means we, we don't have a good culture fit for that organ, that person in our organization, right? We probably didn't do a really good job um, in the hiring process to find the right person. Now, maybe they were hired to do a separate job. Like an, like an individual sales, you know, type cross sell, upsell. That's what our key metric was. And maybe we moved them somewhere. 
that's kind of most of the time how that happens. But again, really understanding the, the culture aspect. Don't just look at a resume and say, wow, this person's been doing this for 15 years. They should be good. Um, the call center can be trained. So it is much more important to find the right individual than it is to find somebody with experience if they, if they really want to do it and, and try it. I find that the call center gives you balls, right? If it, when you are on the phone with somebody that is a complete stranger, um, whether it be inbound, whether it be outbound, um, you can, you really develop a, a strength, I think, internally as well to, to be able to go talk, um, to people that you don't know, to be able to public speak. Um, you, you lose a fear. I mean, I think that's why I, I love the, especially for younger individuals. I think that the contact center is a, is a really cool, um, really cool job. Right. And, you know, those, those that really are into it and really like it, I, you know, they end up staying, um, and they end up progressing and become the supervisors, the manager, the, the customer service executive. You know, we've seen that so many, so many times. I've seen that now doing the podcast, right? We started the podcast in 2018. Um, it was a, a couple days before Christmas Eve. Um, and I think the first one was, you know, I know why your, your, your custom, your customer service center stinks, something like that. That was the topic. Um, and from 2019, right, that next year, there are now, call center agents that were listening that are now talk to me and say, Hey, I think you, I just want to say thank you really helped me because I'm now a, the call center executive. Um, I'm now running a, a 400 seat center, which is pretty awesome. Right. And I think, you know, that podcast that we do, you know, does a, I think it hopefully does a, a really cool service. So if you've not seen it, if you've not heard it, um, it's on YouTube, but it's on Spotify, it's on iTunes um, we have it on our web, on our XPV USA website. Please check it out. Um, I, I think it will be able to help you never sell on it. You, you'll never really hear one word about my company. Um, so I think that's, that's pretty cool. Again, if you do have any questions, you know, just throw them in the comment section. Um, just kind of going through some of the questions that I've gotten this week, uh, with, with some of the, the comments, the, the other you know, kind of big topic that everyone's been kind of asking me about is, is what's, what are some of the things that we do during a, a downturn, an economic downturn from the contact center? And, you know, when you're running a call center and, and you start to see things uh, from a, an economy standpoint that does not look great, there's a couple of things that like go right in. I go into like right into like a defensive mode. Number one is we actually like to pay our reps a little bit more during these times. And the reason is the most expensive thing in a contact center is training. Um, and, and especially initial training, <clears throat> some of our trains can go four to six weeks, right? And during that, that time period, a lot of times we're not gaining or not getting any revenue for us. And if you are an internal call center, right, you're, you're not able to really use those guys. You're just, it's just kind of a, a paying a salary. So we don't really want to train or we want to try to limit our onboarding. And from a, from a, most of the time, we're not going to really have a huge boom during this period of time. Now, COVID was different because we got a lot of COVID work. But for the most part, that's kind of what we're looking at. So we pay our reps a little bit more. We want to keep them um, through this, help them out a little bit, have have us be helped out as well because most of them or a lot of them will not leave. The other thing is, you know, when you are a, you know, one of the other things that I do is, is, is a lot of consulting on the technology side. And when you see, you know, the things that I try to talk to my clients about now is, is looking more at efficiency type tools and 
maybe limiting your quality type tools. Like if you have budget for software. So, you know, things like workforce management, um, where you can you know, really pin down, you know, when agents are going to be there, making it by interval perfectly so that you are not overstaffing, you're not understaffing, you're right on, on that number, I think can save you money, can save you revenue, maybe more than a, than a QA tool, right? A quality assurance tool during this period of time. So, you know, those are kind of just some of the, I guess, 30,000 foot view things that I look for, um, you know, when we start to see this is, is the budget for technology shifts a little bit more towards retention. Um, it shifts a little bit, right? Like gamification, we're, we're, we're going live with, in first quarter with the nice CX-1 gamification tool from their performance management. We've had it on our uh, platform, but just have never really implemented it. But now, again, because of this um, and seeing that downturn, I want gamification for our agents, again, to have a little bit more fun, especially from the work from home. I probably didn't see the total value in it when everybody was in the office because we could do some really cool things right in the office. Um, but now I think it's a little bit different Everybody's work from home. Let's try to make work from home as badass as we can, as as fun as we possibly can. So those are some of the things that that I'm starting to look at there as well. Um, when it comes, the the other, the, I think the last question that I I kind of got here too was was quality and and monitoring. And I know everybody kind of has their own. We call it an algorithm. It's really not. It's just you know how many times is is an agent getting monitored and scored. There's a difference between getting monitored and getting scored, right? So we want four times a week for the most part. Some clients are a little bit different, but four scores per agent per week. Um, and that's our QA department taking a live call or, or a recorded call. But for the most part, we want live calls. And we'll talk about that here too. Um, scoring them, you know, making sure that they're, they're doing everything that they possibly could do. Now, they're being monitored multiple times, right, because the, the supervisor is also listening and monitoring. They, are, they don't need to score as much, but we still want them to try to score at least one agent, um, you know, each of their agents once per week if possible, but they have a lot of other things that they're doing, right, from answering questions to um, you know, making sure that everything's you know, running appropriately, looking at metrics, looking at KPIs. Um, you know, dealing with breaks and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we kind of back that down for those guys. So if we can get four QAs, four scores um, from our QA department and then one from our agent and get, get five per week, it's almost one per day. You know, I think that we're in, a, we're in a pretty good spot there. I prefer to do live calls. I think that's the coach in me, right? I think you can get we, – we want to change the trajectory of what's happening on the day and not look at three days ago of, of what somebody did. Because um, a lot of times we already talked to them and we already coached them. And I just, there's, there's a lot of waste, I think, with recorded calls, unless you want to go back to a specific agent because something happened. Obviously, that's really important. But for me, live calls are much more important um, than, than recorded calls when it comes to scoring, when it comes to you know, changing, again, how the day is going um, and, and if the, the rep needs any help or, or assistance with that. The other thing I think with that is making sure that we are we're coaching privately and we're rewarding publicly. I think that's a huge piece of, of, of a leadership thing. And it sounds pretty obvious, but a lot of times because we get frustrated as, as a supervisor or a team lead, <coughs> we may you know, just be like, what are you doing? Like, why would you do that right in front of everybody? Or we, we, we spill that out on a Teams or a Slack channel. 
And it just causes issues now for sometimes for days with that individual or that agent. So anytime that an agent does anything that is you know, not to be celebrated, right? So again, it, most of the time it's just a little dumb mistake that maybe they made. But if you're doing any type of coaching, make sure that that is done privately. Um, you don't want to embarrass anybody. Um, what I would do then is, is take, if, especially if you see a trend, um, a lot of times, you know, when you are coaching, maybe certain things keep rearing their heads, which means the whole group needs to know that. Then we would bring that to our team meetings in the morning, talk about some of those things. But the other thing is if something awesome happens, right? If, if somebody you know, just got a hundred on their, uh, on their score, um, if they got a, you know, we call it a raving fan, right? Somebody called back and is, is kind of just talking and saying, Hey, that agent, that rep did a great job. Thank you so much. I'd like to give her a shout out. All that stuff. Not only do we do it on the individual program, we use Slack, Slack channel, but then it goes out to the company wide as well. And again, um, normally give, give maybe some extra time off a break. If we have gift cards, we'll give a gift card, but, you know, I think all that stuff is really, really important because that's the crux of the job, right? The crux of the job is servicing a customer in a way that they're like, holy, this was awesome. Thank you so much. You were so nice to me. I know I was a pain in the rear, but you got me through it and it was great. Um, and that stuff needs to be celebrated. Um, and I think it's, it's really important to kind of get that word out. Um, all right, so the I got a question. Do you have a separate QA department or do you have your leadership do it? No, we have our separate QA. Um, we kind of keep them away. Um, I don't want to say they're hidden, uh, but they're in a different area than the call center. They're not on the floor. They have their own room. Um, and again, I think that there needs to be a little bit of a, of a sh- I don't know, shield or a wall between those two. Um, we try not to have them be you know, buddy, buddy, huge, you know, go out and, and, and have beers afterwards. Sometimes, I mean, that's going to happen, but we want to keep a little bit of a difference so that, you know, we are, we're being totally non-subjective when it comes to our agents, right? So whatever we hear is what we're going to score. It's not that I'm friends with Janie. Um, so Janie's an 82, but I'm going to give her a 92 and hopefully that gets through and that, that makes her day easier. So we do have a separate, um, department. But again, we will have supervisors that are on the floor with the agents. Um, They will monitor as well. And then we will do weekly benchmarking sessions with not only most of the time with the client, because remember, again, we're an outsourcer. So we're dealing with lots of different clients and their their customer service program. So we will do weekly benchmarking with the client so that the client knows if we scored something in 92, that that 92 is legit. And then we will do um, twice a month, we will do benchmarking with the supervisor and with QA as well, because there can be some pushback sometimes, right? When, a, when QA gives a score, maybe the supervisor thinks it's, it's too hard or they were too harsh on this one call. Um, <coughs> and I think that those are important that they can have those discussions and those conversations um, to make sure that, you know, hey, if I'm giving you an 80, that's an 80. If I'm giving you a 98, that's a 98. Um, the benchmarking of that, um, and not just letting, you know, trusting QA, um, because you will, you can have people who, who we're human beings, 
right? Some people are generally nicer or they hear things a different way. Some people are a little bit more strict. We all had teachers, right, that went kind of both ways in, in school. Um, and so I think, you know, to have those conversations to have, of the benchmarking is, is really important as well. And then that way your agents trust it as well. Because if the agents start to not trust the QA scores, dude, I've, I mean, we've, I've been through that. And it's, it's, it's brutal, right? Because then they go to hire management to be like, hey, I did not have a 90. This is not a 90 or an 80. Can you please listen to this call? Right? And it causes a lot of, a lot of issues. Let's talk about that too, because that I think leads to another really good point. You know, one of the things that we've had a lot of success with is having committees within our contact center of our agents. Um, anything that affects the agents, I think that they should have a say in. This shouldn't be a total dictatorship, especially when there's so many of them and so little of of kind of the the management team. You know, especially when you start to get to a thousand plus seats. Um, even, even if you're in a smaller, you know, 50 to hundred seat call center, you know, there, there's, there's some differences in, in personalities in that group. So, you know, anything chairs, you know, again, when everybody was internal, um, we still give headsets, um, the computers, you know, we have a committee that talks through all of the equipment. Um, they will try out the equipment first and, you know, we, we used to have, um, like elections, uh, where, where the reps would kind of nominate and then, but it just was, it did become a little bit too much. So, you know, now we just kind of, I will send out and I'll ask, you know, four or five agents, we'll rotate it every year. Um, hey, will you come be on, on our equipment committee? And again, anything that, that is going to go out to all of the agents is going to go through this committee first. They're going to, they're going to use the product. They're going to tell you what sucks about it, what's great about it, what one they like, what one they don't like. Um, and, and I think that you get really good buy-in then from the kind of the leaders of the contact center. It makes when things go out to the, to the general group, it makes it a lot easier on you because it's not really you defending it, right? If there's any issues, it's, it's, it's their leaders or it's those people that have been here for a really long time, um, that have, that have, you know, kind of vouched for this headset. And so now they're kind of defending it a little bit. Um, and a lot of times, you know, that's, that works way better than, than having that uh, that revolt <laughs> over over headsets or chairs, um, you know other things like policies. I think you know I got a lot of pushback from from you guys on um, our attendance multiplier policy, and it took me probably four or five videos to kind of really be able to explain it in the the way that I think you guys kind of bought into it finally. But basically, paying agents more based on their attendance—that's um, kind of the, the the gist of it, and. We had multiple conversations with our agents. This wasn't something that we would just, you know, throw at them. Um, you know, the other thing is, you know, any policies when it comes to healthcare, when it comes to uh, being late, when it comes to suspensions and those types of things, we'd like to get the buy-in, you know, of some leaders um, in the contact center. I think that's, that's, again, that's a really, really important kind of way to cause so many less headaches and, and that's so many lessons learned from me over the years of really getting buy-in. And, and, you know, the other thing is getting buy-in from what's going on on the floor as well, right? Like have that group of, of individuals that you're kind of friendly with, that you can kind of get the scoop or find out what's happening before things go south with maybe an agent or if there's a supervisor issue, you know, to, it's almost keeping your finger on the pulse of your center uh, by 
by in, kind of enlisting and, and kind of having the, a group of, of people that trust you, know that you're not going to burn them and know that you're going to help them out, you know, if anything kind of comes to, to fruition, but they're going to help you out by giving you the heads up. Um, if anything's going in. And I think the bigger the center, the more important that is. If you're, you know, 25 seats, then you probably already know what's going on. But when you get to hundreds and hundreds of seats, um, with a lot of work from home agents, you know, it can be a little bit difficult to, to kind of keep your, you know, keep looking at the, at the, at the Slack channel all day long of what's going on and who's arguing and who's fighting and kind of that whole deal. So. All right, guys. Well, hey, listen, that's about that's a half hour. Um, I will try to do this once a week. Again, I, I appreciate everybody who joined. This was the first one. Hopefully they'll get they'll get better and better and better. Um, if you guys have any questions as well, you know, throw me some comments and I'll, I'll make sure that I'll I'm sure I'll answer in a video. Um, any question that I've gotten I've, that I thought was you know really good question. I've always created another video for it. So anything that you guys have, um, you know, let me know. It helps me create more content and I think it helps uh, everybody as well. So. Um, again, thank you guys so much and, uh, I'll talk to you guys next week.